Crap with Beth and Matt. Cut to Crap is the world's number one no bullshit health and fitness podcast. Hey there, friends, and welcome to episode 22. This week we are chatting with Justin Gillespie. Justin is a licensed master social worker and founder of Thriving Enhanced. We discuss toxic work environments and the effects that burnout can have on us. Pay attention to this one. Let's get started. Justin. Hello. How are you all? There he is. How are you? Good, good. I just, you know, I just got out of a client session a second ago. So it's a very busy day today, but I am super excited to meet with you both. This is going to be awesome. We're excited as well. We are excited. Yes, very excited. So um, you are a therapist, right? Yep, yep. I'm a therapist in the state of Michigan, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. Well, let's, let's talk, let's chat about that. So what kind of, a like, what is your scope? Like, you know, yeah. So, yeah. So, so my, so my scope in terms of therapy (laughs) has everything to do with addiction, mental health, and trauma. So the way I I best sum up my therapy experience is I've mainly worked with um, either addicts and people who were extremely mentally ill, or I've worked with the children who were in foster care related issues. Um, from those issues. So um, I've got, I've got to see on both sides of the spectrum. And then outside of therapy, I actually work with therapists, social workers, and other related helping professionals um, to coach them through the effects of burnout and to how they leave their sucky, unethical job that may not be letting them take care of themselves. Amazing. Mental health is very important to myself and Beth. I know that, right, Beth? Um, It's something that um, is near and dear to my heart and my family, especially. Um, You know, we're we're very heavily involved in mental health awareness. Um, We're actually, um, my family is really heavily involved in NAMI, the National Alliance uh, on Mental Illness, which is um, amazing. My opa, my grandpa actually started our our local tri-county chapter here, which has kind of been um, turned into a a national leader, actually, in, in that sphere. So, um, that's awesome yeah yeah um so you you wow. mentioned burnout like that's that's a real that's a real fucking thing right like that is um yeah that's a bitch. i need some assistance there <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely a real thing for sure definitely a real thing um and i also and as part of my coaching stuff i'm actually developing a course right now um so it's not out yet i'm thinking it'll be out um I'm thinking about my birthday at the end of March or maybe a little bit after, um, but I basically take people through um, what I call the emotional dysfunctional workplace cycle. I might clean that name up too, just so everyone knows, but I'm still working on it, obviously. But basically, there's different stages of what you deal with in burnout. So I've always labeled burnout as this. Burnout is kind of like the top tier level where you're at. It's like you're done. You can't do this anymore. And I think what happens is a lot of people actually just kind of label it as burnout because it is a key word right now. But that being said, stress and workplace stuff like that with burnout, it is on a spectrum. So one thing that I do tend to talk about in my trainings and um, when I work with one-on-one people is I talk about this concept of moral injury, which is something that a lot of therapists and social workers experience. So essentially, it's kind of like burnout, except you're feeling guilt over your job. So you're feeling like even though you are um, in some sort of helping profession or you're helping people. And I've I've even talked to, um, I work with people case by case. I've actually worked with a few fitness coaches before too. They felt this way too, in the sense that they could see that this person is still continuing to, for example, eat in a dysfunctional pattern. Um, And they're trying to help them, but they can't. And they feel like they should have the skill set. And there's other Mm -hmm. factors in place in society that aren't letting them have that. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of like moral injury is like having that guilt over things that you really can't control and it's out of your hands, but you feel some type of way about it, right? Um, there's another one I call, um, personal workflow, um, dysfunction, which is basically like 
your workflow sucks. Like the way you're getting things done just sucks. That's okay to admit. Um, one of the things that I suck at is if I don't do, I have to do case notes for my jobs. I have to write up a session every time I do one. I have to type up exactly kind of what we talked about. And if I don't do it right then, I'm probably not going to do it for like a week. And then my boss is going to be like, what the hell's going on? So that's kind of like my thing is making sure I do things in a manner where either I do them right away or I have a system in place where if I do have to wait till later, um, I end up developing something where it's like this time of the day each week is where I do my catch up work. And so that's just one thing. That's just a, a few different ways how I help people through their workplace stress and their burnouts. Sure. You mentioned fitness coaches that you met, worked with a couple of fitness coaches too. And I know we can relate to this, you know. I was just going um, yeah. to chime into that one. <laughs> yeah, set days and set times. And really not just with fitness coaches, anybody that's really listening to this, mm-hmm. right? No matter where you are, what your profession is, like, you, you know, recognizing burnout and having you know, coping mechanisms, I guess, in place mm-hmm. and, and strategies and set times for things, I guess that's very important. Right. And especially like, I know what I need to be doing when I need to be doing it, but like, there's always the pressure is there's just so much work, right. To always be doing. Um, and if, and if I find myself like, I need to do this, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like I, I say this to Beth all the time. Like there's always going to be more work for us to do. Yeah. We're never going to be done working. If we, if we uh-huh. allow ourselves to just work constantly, we're never going to get everything done because there's always going to be more. Well, you're always yeah. going to want to try and find something too. You're always going to want to try and find something to do. Your your brain is kind of wired actually to to constantly do this. And I, personally, I have ADHD, which means it's on double drive because mm-hmm. I'm always trying to like entertain myself in some type of way. And sometimes that's through work. So even I have to like step back a little bit and be like, okay, am I working too much right now? Am I not taking care of myself? Am I not taking care of like my nutrition or my exercise or my balance? Or I have this water bottle actually, and I need this water bottle every day because it actually reminds me to actually drink every day. Yeah, I love that. um, I have one too, yeah. I want one actually though that's like more flexible that'll might say like hour one, hour two, because this is like nine and 10. And like I work today 11 to eight. So like my work schedule is like a little different. Sure. But like, so I'm kind of doing it that way. But um. I have another one at home where it's a half gallon and I just know to get my water in. It's like a competition to like drink this thing twice. So once it's filled once, you just fill it back up again and you have to do it by the end of the day. And that's my gallon right there. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember it actually, Beth, I don't know if you saw this. I actually tagged Matt in this, but I forgot to drink water for the whole day about like two weeks ago. So I'm at 1130 at night, just chugging this thing. <laughs> and, I'm like, I need to... and I was wondering like, why do I feel grouchy? Why does my head hurt? And I'm like, oh, I didn't drink any ounce of water because my dad yeah, my body's going, what the fuck right now? So I'm like, need <laughs> yeah, water, you asshole. <laughs> yeah, drink more right? water. Exactly. That can't be understated so, enough, the importance of water. Go ahead, Beth. Right. I, I actually have a question about like, okay, so we have, we're in the job of helping people, right? So even you, Justin, obviously. Um, so how do we, because I know like we want to help everyone and some people just, we can't help. And what I have, and I'm sure um, we all feel this way, is that I struggle when I can't help somebody. Like, I really take it personal yeah. sometimes. I know I shouldn't, um, but I want to help somebody so bad that when I have done every, exhausted everything, it's like, we really can't make them do anything, right? So what? how do you move on from that? 
Yeah, it's a it's a very hard emotional thing to do, right? Especially when you do have the skill set, you do have the training, you may even have the personal experience that goes along with that. So you're able to somewhat put yourself in that person's shoes. I think that the first thing that we can do is um, just any helping professional in general, really. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing that we have to do is just like you said, just acknowledge that right away. We can't help everyone. Some people can't even admit that to themselves. Some right. people want to think that they can save every single person. And then when they can't, they take it on too much. So the next thing I would say is that in my field, we call it, um, oh God, how do I even say the word? I can't even talk today. Um, (laughs) Elevating to a higher level of care, escalating to a higher level of care. That's what I'm trying to say. So basically, if I'm working with somebody who maybe is an addict or an alcoholic, and I'm seeing them in outpatient counseling where I'm at right now, and I see that, you know, it's one thing if somebody has a relapse in drinking from my perspective, right? I mean, that's that's going to happen. That's totally fine. We see that with food. We see that with alcohol. We see that with a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing if that happens, but if I see excessive drinking or I see excessive drug use to the point of, you know, maybe you're even showing up to my sessions intoxicated. That's a sign where I'm going to need to refer you to a higher level of care because I can't help you at this point. There's too much. We have to stabilize you before we can enhance you. Right. And sometimes that's what we have to do in a lot of different professions. So maybe your, maybe your skill sets um, are just too high for what they need right now. And then maybe they need some sort of um, therapist, professional doctor to work through some Mm -hmm. of these things. Um, and then they can come back to you in about six months or so, or three months or whatever, and you can help them through now that they've actually processed some of this stuff through. So those are just a few things I always say on how to let it go, but it's hard. It's very hard. I make it sound very easy, but it is a very hard emotional thing. I think a big thing is letting go any shame that you have as an individual, letting them go. Yeah. Yeah, I think we always go to like, like maybe we did something wrong. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We see that all the time, especially like on, I, we're all on TikTok and we see it all the time. Like, especially there, we literally can't help it. Some people just don't want help either, you know, and that's one, one way of looking at it. And something that I struggled with early on in my coaching careers, like, like, I just want people to see it this, like, see it more rationally, think logically about it and things like that. But like some people are just pre- have their preconceived notions or whatever that they're supposed to be doing or their thoughts. And they don't want to challenge those, those beliefs or anything like that. And cause that's a lot of hard work is kind of challenging your bias and, and what you think, you know, um, and being open to new ideas, new evidence, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. we would drive ourselves crazy. Um, I know I have in the past, I've been there, you yeah. know, um, I've been burnt out before. Um, and it's still something that I struggle with. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, um, mm-hmm. but recognizing the signs for me is even more important now so that I can do those self stakes, take care of myself in a way that I need to. And this is something I, t- I say all the time on my social media platforms with my clients. You can't serve others if you're not serving yourself first. Right. Yeah, like, I agree. We can't. I, we want yeah. in order to help other people, we need to be in a good physical, mental state. You know, mm-hmm. health is both of those things. It's, it's social yeah. too, you know, but, um, without prioritizing our mental, our mental health, like we're going to crash and yeah. burn. I think, I have, I think, I have, I think it's, oh, good. I'm sorry, Beth. Go ahead. I have to say, I have a hard time, like taking weekends off. Um, Matt knows mm-hmm. this. Um, I like, I, when I do step away for sometimes I literally, I, I get restless. Um, it's like, I'm pacing my house. I can't relax. Cause I know that in my mind, I have these things that I need to do and I shouldn't be doing anything else right now. That's, that's where I go. And I know at some point, like I will burn out. Um, I don't want that to happen, but it's just something I have to work through, like being okay with, you know, 
it's as, okay to step away from the, the computer. As I coaches, guess. we feel the need to constantly be on because we have this social media presence, right? Um, that too, yeah. So mm-hmm. that the social media aspect alone can be very uh, draining and, um, you know. Oh, it can. Especially with it, the it, community. It like, we talk so much with everybody. Our DM, We're always in our DMs chatting with people, our comments mm-hmm. chatting with people. Um, and we need to do a, a better job of saying no sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like being, yeah, being able to shut off. I mean, I think, I think that even just trying to think of content every single day is just like something that is, you know, really draining. And I think for the average person, they're using social media in a way that's just more fun. Um, which I, become <laughs> envious. I become envious of some of those people sometimes too, because a lot of our work is about promotion or it is about mm-hmm. informing for our ultimate personal brand. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think that some of the things that I've done to implement this into my life is my Instagram feed, because I don't, I don't like to post too much on Instagram, but TikTok, I guess it's more acceptable. Um, but on Instagram, that's kind of like my feed for my messaging. And then my stories are just more like, I do post some stuff about, you know, burnout stuff in my stories, mm-hmm. but it's more documenting my day. I, I almost call it my reality show, right? Just bring you along for the good, the bad, the in-between parts of it. And I think that's a more healthy way rather than just painting this perfect picture of yourself. Um, TikTok um, mostly is kind of like that kind of stuff too, but it's a lot more fun to make. And then last night there was somebody, or maybe not last night, but the night before, there was someone who just posted some video of like her, I don't know, like microwaving snow in her fucking microwave or something. And it turned out brown. And I was like, let me see this shit if this does it. And I just filmed that and literally like 30,000 people like that shit and enjoyed it too. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is kind of, like TikTok is such a funny, weird place. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a wild place. It's like the wild, wild west, honestly. You it's never like know the what you're going to thing. It's the greatest thing for coaches. And if you have like a small business of your own, but it really is the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. You never, you just never fucking know who you're going to piss off. Like it could be something so simple and you're like, holy shit, what did I just open up? Like my um, door. Well, well, with you and the fucking aspartame people, you know what my people are? Oh, it's the people when it's the people when I tell people that they shouldn't go to their nine to five, get paid well, and like go home. And they're like pissed about this because our generation doesn't have work ethic. I'm like, are you fucking for real right now? Our work ethic <laughs> is insane, honestly. Like <laughs> I mean, well, it was it was funny to me because like the, what they came at me and they were like, "This is exactly why your generation like doesn't move up or do anything with their lives." I'm like, "Sir, I work full time, have a brand, and have a private practice. So what are you talking about?" And right. I still make time for myself and get paid well. So I mean, and I'll be honest, when I was working on standing up my you know my online coaching business, I was working full time in corporate, mm-hmm. um, 40, 50, 60 hours with that. Some some weeks if we yeah. had big projects yeah. and things like that. In addition to the forty hours I was. 50 hours I was putting into my coaching business. You know, I was doing client check-in calls seven days a week. I was putting in over a hundred hours a week to get Mm. to this point, you know, and I burnt the fuck out. How did you do that? Holy shit. I I, I crashed and burned um, in the middle of the pandemic because of it, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, in 2020, like in the summertime, um, I I just literally, I, I got up and this was my way of coping with it at the time. I caught a flight and went traveling and went hiking for like four days in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. You know, that was how I, that was how I dealt with my burnout at the time, just disappearing Mm -hmm. off the grid for a few days. Um, Now I was working with a coach at the time um, uh, that specializes in like neurosciences and things like that. And of course, you know, then it was working on a recognizing the signs of burnout and, and coming up with healthy coping mechanisms. So you, to avoid that in the future. Um, And it sucks. Like when you, when you're burnout, you know, you're, you feel like, um, 
I don't you feel know. sick. You feel yeah, physically that's the way sick putting sometimes. Sick stomach and, and so much anxiety and like you failed and everything's just crushing down on you and it sucks. It's it's the, it's one of the worst feelings I've ever felt. Um, so then, like, what are some things that people can look for to help them recognize signs of burnout? I think I think that when when the stress becomes physical, I think you've actually reached your peak. That's just my mm-hmm. personal opinion. But I think that once you start experiencing headaches, nausea, um, I've heard of some people even have like blurriness of vision just because they can't even think straight, so they can't even see straight. Um, I think those are all things to really look out for when you're dealing with workplace stress. Um, some other things that go along with being physical too with mental health. Um, if you're experiencing symptoms of anxiety or nervousness, one of the biggest ones I say, especially if you work in corporate, if you're a therapist or you're a social worker, I don't know, something like that that involves like office work. If you're afraid to even check your voicemails or your emails, like if you like pull up and you know the first thing you gotta do is check these things and you're scared to do it, that's t- that's a sign either you need to do something different or you need to pack up and get the fuck on because that is not a good place to be in. And I think another thing um, to help prevent it too is really fairly assessing, which is what I help people do in my program. Um, I help people determine, okay, where exactly is your workflow failing at? Is it, and it could be 10%. You could be 10% fault. You'd have one thing you're doing. Okay, let's focus on that. Let's try that, see what happens. I have a lot of people tell me, okay, I didn't fix everything. I still hate this place, but I feel a little bit more calm or significantly compared to last week. So mm-hmm. then we start reaching out to, okay, how does their company have them fucked up and underpaid, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually um, a personal story I want to share real quick, too, that goes sure. along with us. So the reason I even started my um, coaching program is because in 2017, when I got my master's degree, so I've been doing this for about five years now, six years if you count my bachelor's, actually. Um, but I've been doing this post-grad for five years. In 2017, I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana from Detroit. I'm back in Detroit, just for context. Oh, you're right up the road from me. I know, I know. I'm like an hour from you. No, to meet, meet up sometime. That's nice. already I'll bass all the way up in fucking Maine, and I'm like yeah. bitching about my 22 degrees, and she posts negative one the other day, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like that is not for me. My whole body is just in pain from the cold. I'm like, I couldn't do it. But yeah, so I moved to Indianapolis um, for about two years, and I took up my first job. Um, at, I can't say too much because of legal liability because they have a tendency to stalk you, but they know who the fuck I'm talking about when I say it because I keep getting like little emails from them. They know. <laughs> they know, but I can't say their name. So I'm like, yeah. whatever, I don't care. But like they um, they basically kind of got me in there and they paid me half of what they said they were going to pay me. And they gave me, and they had a very unique like structure of payment too. So you got paid based on your client hour, but you got like a salary with it, but they promised me a certain amount of clients. They didn't provide that with me. So long story short, I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana from like a couple hundred miles away from my home um, to a, a master's level therapist to essentially make $11 an hour Holy or $10 shit. an hour. Yeah. Um, depending on the week, even based on how they paid you, it was about $9 mm-hmm. an hour. I, I, I strongly, and I had a lawyer friend look into it too. Um, and I don't have enough proof to sue, but we're pretty certain that they scammed us a lot of us out of money too. So mm-hmm. it was a whole thing. They used a lot of, they were a religious organization. So they used a lot of religious propaganda against you to stay along with them. And, and by the way, there's no diss at religious organizations. I actually work for one now, even though I'm not religious. I love the place I work right now, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not just saying that because I work there, but I absolutely truly mm-hmm. do love it. Um, but yeah, I, there were times where I couldn't even afford toilet paper to wipe my own ass. I'm sorry to be TMI, but that's literally the case it was. I had to go across the street to the grocery store sometimes because my my debit card did not have money. So I had to steal, not steal, but like take the toilet paper from like the restrooms and stuff like that. Okay. I took that home with me so I could go use the restroom basically. That's how well it got. I was there for about 
I would say it was a very short period of time. I was like there for four or five months. I found a job doing the exact same work for the exact same organizations. It was for therapy for CPS. Fell in love with it. I was paid very well. I was treated very well. It was a very night and day difference. And even from that little experience, I had a lot of financial burden left on me from that. It took me two years to get out of credit card debt because of that role. I had a lot of workplace trauma that I still work for. To this day, if like yesterday, my boss texts me, hey, can you hop on the Zoom for me real quick? And I was scared to death because this is what they would do when they were trying to set you up with something when you didn't do anything wrong, really. But that's what they would do. They would just kind of manipulate you, catch you off guard. And so there's a lot of things that carry over with you even after you've recovered from burnout based on your own trauma from your workplace. And that's exactly what I want to prevent other helping professionals going into is getting into these places that will exploit you and will take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see we see that a lot, unfortunately. I mean, I'm, I I didn't personally feel that with my pre, when I worked in corporate, but um, I see it all the time in other employers and things like that. Um, ultimately, you know, I, I made this um, post on um, Facebook the other day. You know, if you died t- tonight, God forbid, like your employer would have your job posted by the end of the week, um, because I mean, to, to a lot of employers, you're just um, a number. You're not an actual person. You know, we had someone actually die, not at the office. I worked up at a different one at the job I was mentioning. They actually posted their job, like literally not even 12 hours after they passed. Wow. Yeah. Which like, I get it. They have a business to run, but Mm -hmm. like you have to, like, we have to get back to people first, uh, honestly, you know, um, like it's not just all about the almighty dollar at the end of the day. You know, um, we know, our executives and things like that, they don't need these million dollar, billion dollar bonuses and, and things like that at the expense of um, just destroying their workforce. Mm-hmm. I think the, the pandemic has really uh, shown people a lot uh, about the workplace yeah. as well. And that's why we're seeing a lot of people quitting their jobs. The great resignation. I'm, <laughs> yeah, so. I'm obsessed with the great resignation. Like, it's, Yeah, I want to talk about that. Let's talk about yes. that. I think that's um, pretty fucking interesting. Um, so what are your thoughts? I think it's actually fucking cool that people are taking charge of their life and like saying, I'm not going to do this corporate bullshit anymore. Um, so let's dive into that. I'm for it personally. And honestly, (laughs) I think, I think, I think that the millennials, I think were the ones that really were like starting to like speak up about it based on everything that they were going through and not to put age on it. Cause I think everyone's different, but in general, it was more of the millennials and um, maybe my generation, even the previous generation right before me, I think they were the ones that were really standing up and saying, you know what, something doesn't feel right about this, like working Mm -hmm. 40 plus hours a week, not in some industries, you don't even get paid overtime. So you're, I always believe, well, that is free labor. Right. Mm -hmm. So So I'm like, there's something that just doesn't feel right about that to us. And so we were the ones that were, you know, starting to set the firm little boundaries and we're like, no, we're going to not take our work home. We're not going to, and I'm for it. Right. And I think Gen Z like took this, hijacked it, made it amazing. And they're just like quitting left and right. And they're boosting up pay for so many Gen people. Z are, right yeah, there are us millennials. They're our allies. So <laughs> am, am, I, am I, I'm Gen X. Am I Gen X or Gen, I'm not Gen Z. I don't really, like, I don't really know. To me, to me and your the, heart, the lines are so blurred. In heart, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are we? I mean, I'm, I'm in my late 40s i'm almost 50 so i would be like a gen xer right yeah, i think I so no i i i i know i know i'm a millennial you're a millennial, you're a millennial yeah. because like gen y is millennial so like if you're like 30 or something 30 ish give or take i'm 28 but if you're like 30 ish somewhere in there 
you're like a millennial and then anyone younger than like i think it's like 22 i i have to look up the actual numbers because i lose track yeah, of it too. I, know, I have no idea i hate i hate labeling things anyway but i know i know as millennials specifically we have been fucking gaslit for for the better part you're of like what? the middle child a decade you know for by by They're our like parents generation like that we are everything is everything is our fucking fault these and we're the ones <laughs> literally like but making <laughs> billions of dollars for these companies and with and yeah. uh, oh you i mean gone are the gone are the days right where you can work a nine to five and retire at 55 60 years old and have no debt and be and and raise a fucking family of five but you can't do that anymore you can't even like you have to have two full-time jobs almost just to get by it seems so crazy but yeah it's our fault we're just not working hard enough that's and that's what right we're just not working hard enough or we don't want it but we don't want it enough well you well you well I, I I agree, but I also slightly disagree, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I think that for a lot of people, that is how that works, but I will say through stuff that I talk about, and I'm not the one, some of the stuff I'm talking about, I'm not unique with it. I didn't reinvent this wheel or anything like that, right? It's kind of like you guys, when people like want to reframe the diet and losing weight, and this is toxic, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't reinvent any of this, but what I will say is that selling yourself as an asset and just stay up demanding more is going to get you more money. I mean, there's some tricks and tips that I do share that'll help boost that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you come in and show you off yourself as a professional, show off with confidence and say, this is what I want, you're almost not going to give them a choice into what they're going to do. And I think that's the problem with a lot of other people in the past is that they just kind of took whatever it was okay. they were handing out. And given, give, they had a reason to. It's like you said, there are no pensions early anymore. There are no retirement plans like that besides your 401k that you invest in. Yeah. There is no retirement plans like that anymore. So there was a reason back in the day to invest 30 years of your life into this company because you're going to be set up by the time you're 52. That's right. great. We don't have that anymore. I'm practicing radical acceptance in the sense of, okay, I want that, can't have that, great. But I'm going to move on from these jobs then if you have nothing to offer but a low paying job, but a quote unquote steady check. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, but I think you can definitely move on and level yourself up. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing people in my industry do it left and right. I'm seeing teachers like the, the whole. I don't know if you guys seen the teachers on TikTok leaving. Like, there's so many teachers now leaving, and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Can we talk about that really quickly? At the end for of, them, yeah. yeah. Like TikTok exactly. has done so many amazing things for our generation for people that are aspiring to do more like there's nothing yeah. wrong with working for somebody let me be very clear but you don't have yeah. to like there's so many ways for you to take your hobby and your passion and yeah. turn it into a real fucking way to make a living and be yeah. your own boss and make your own rules and not make somebody else rich you know um just be right. happy i think our generation i think um that's and and especially gen z that's what's most important to us now. It's not the money, right? It's happiness. It's mental health. It's yeah. being, it's having the flexibility and the freedom to I do agree. the things that we love and enjoy. I think we're losing identity from our jobs is what I'm starting to see because I know a lot of people when you get like a social work degree, if you get a teaching degree, any degree really, but if you get, especially in these helping profession degrees, they often identify with it, with them in themselves so much that if you leave, they almost seem like they're a failure at it and that they seem like they are completely useless, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that how I kind of look at things is I tell my people in my webinars and my stories, all these things all the time. I tell all my people, I love my job. I love the industry I'm in right now, but there will probably come a day. I don't want to do this anymore. I may want to invest in housing. I may want to go do something else. I'm fine with that because you know why? You can always go back to it later. 
You can, if you decide after a couple of years, okay, I miss, I want to go back, go back to it. It's not like it's a death sentence, especially with the, especially with the economy and where we're right now. There's nobody that wants to be a therapist, be a social worker, teach, or do any of this shit right now. So the fact that you'd want to do it, trust me, they'll take you back and they'll pay you more yeah. when you come back too. Yeah. It's like uh, that right of age or like, go, go find your, follow your passions, right? It's like, you know, people, when they graduate high school, they go backpacking in Europe to find themselves, you know, do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So like with like burnout, um, I mean, what are like managing burnout, right? Like what we already kind of talked about some signs of burnout coming, but like once we are burned out, like what, what can we do? I think, I think once you're burnt out, I think you have to really take a look at, is it really just your own personal workflows that you have in life? Is it the industry you're in or is it the actual company you work for? Cause I think those are three different categories that you really do have to look into separately. So if it's your own stuff, the good news is that that's easy to fix. That's all interpersonal. These are things that you're going to put in. These are habits you're going to tweak to make yourself more productive. So you're not behind in work. So you're not feeling like you're unmotivated, you know, things like that. Those are things that that can really be fixed. The industry part, that's going to be a little bit harder, but it's not going to be impossible because that just means, okay, I've spent this time in whatever industry I'm in, it's not giving me joy. It's stressing me out way more than it's, you know, giving to me. And so ultimately you have to look at why you went into the industry to begin with. What was really your why to where this was what you thought you wanted to do. And maybe it's still what you want to do, but is the industry where you're in causing you pain right now. And then the, if it's the company, I think the easiest thing is to get another job. But I will say to my people who are on Indeed, just quick applying, don't quick apply on Indeed anymore. Or at least don't at least do it strategically because I know what people will do. They'll be at their jobs when they're supposed to be working. They're so unmotivated. I've been there, done that, and I don't blame them either. Yeah, but I've yeah. been on my job, just quick applying on Indeed, sending the resume to like a hundred places. Same I don't remember who. Yeah, I don't remember who I applied to, but mm-hmm. people are calling me, and it's all. And what happens <laughs> when you do this is you end up going from one stressful, toxic, underpaying job, you go to the next underpaying, stressful, toxic mm-hmm. job. Whereas if you actually strategize your job search, look into what the fuck you actually want to do, and then actually find the job that's going to match that, you're going to apply for less jobs, but you're going to get way more interviews and you're going to get way better offers more than likely because it matches your and your passion. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, Beth and I are both um, coaches. So, Beth, is that kind of something that you um, experienced at one point? I know you, you, you moved from coaching in person, right. To to take that leap yourself and do online coaching. And I did something similar, but that's scary, yeah. right? Like how, how scary was that? I thought about it for a long reason? time. I had mm-hmm. to think about it for a long time. It was a big decision to go venture out on my own. I didn't take it lightly, especially because I really loved where I worked. Um, that was, a, that was the thing. Like I, that's how I started. I loved sure. everyone there, but I was building something for me. And that's a scary thing. Like, Oh my God, what if I fail? Like, yeah. what if this doesn't work out? Um, what am I going to do? But it did work out. And I'm glad I did take the leap. And you know what? That's actually something that um, I've been talking about lately too, especially with my niche, just because like with my area where I'm at, I often, like I said, I get a lot of social workers and therapists that come to me just because that's where I came from. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that I tell them too, is you could do this one of two ways. You can either just, you can solely let caution go to the wind and quit your job and just do it, right? I highly advise you save money before you do this. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna <laughs> yeah. be a fun idea. Disclaimer. Um, I, <laughs> I highly, I highly suggest, and again, <laughs> some of these jobs, you can't save money. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Some some Correct. jobs you have, you're just not gonna be able to save it. Yeah. Um, 
So that's when I tell people like, you're going to have to, if that's ultimately the job world you're going to have to go into, you're going to have to learn how to build up. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm building up before I break down, right? So I'm basically working my private practice and doing the coaching right now as a strategic plan. So I am working more hours physically, it's amazing but mentally and financially, I'm feeling much more free. Also the job I'm at right now, it's stress-free. If I was doing this like one or two jobs ago, um, I would be completely stressed out, burnt out, and wouldn't work. So I always tell people, like, if you're not in the, if you're not in a place of, of privilege where you can't just quit your job, then I and you hate your job you're in right now, start off with getting another job. Get the job that yeah. doesn't have the no compete. Get the job that's going to let you maybe either make your own schedule or it's your schedule so consistent that you can factor in your clients or whatever you're seeing, whatever you're doing. Maybe you sell products, right? You can make your products, put them on the internet, do that, whatever. Mm -hmm. But basically build your way up, build your bank, save that up. And then I tell people when you are making about, I would say about 20 to 30% more than what you make on a monthly basis, I think. And you have the money for about six months saved. I would say that's about the sweet zone where, okay, maybe you can consider either phasing out of your job or quitting. And that'll be a much safer route. And if you manage to save your money this whole time, then I, I always tell people that saving money is going to be your ultimate freedom. You can leave your job mm -hmm. if you have six months to a year's worth of savings, especially in the great resignation, because if it doesn't work out, you'll get another job and they will pay you well right now because that's for it. Traveling nurses are getting $120 an it's hour. Insane you right now. something. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I've got my own thoughts on that whole thing. Like, yeah, I, our, our, it's ridiculous. I mean, props to traveling nurses for getting paid. Yeah. But like, why can't they just fucking pay our full-time nurses and staff that much money? It's it, to me, that's bullshit. Now I'm not in that industry, but I have some friends that actually are travel nurses and living, like having an amazing life and making all this money. Get, they're going to be set, but like our nurses that are full-time staff are severely underpaid and overworked right now too. So why can't we just recognize them? You know, I think that's the direction we're moving into. I think that's, I think that these industries we're gonna are- We're going to have to or else no one's going to find fucking people to work for them. Right, exactly. Well, that, well, that's why I mean, we have. That, well, that's why we have, have incredible healthcare shortages right now. You know. Yeah, yeah. Especially I mean, during even, the pandemic, it's like, oh, we appreciate our healthcare workers so much, and then it's like a slap in the face when you bring in somebody yeah. from out of state and pay them triple what you're making. You know. Right. I, oh my. Oh my goodness. Well, what's well, what's really funny too, and I only know this because I have a friend who's a nurse personally, and like the traveling nurses. Yeah. Oh, when they when they come, it's like an either or situation. I know it's either they're super appreciated or they're welcome, or they come in and they are they're hated. Other nurse, they are pissed off. Like yeah. there is no in between. And yeah. and I don't think that's fair to the traveling nurses, right? Because they're what they're doing. They're they're just they're capital. They're taking advantage of the situation that they didn't create this situation. They're just taking advantage of it. You know, mm -hmm. now it's not it's not practical for everybody to just get up, quit their job, and start traveling. You know, we have families and things like that. But like a lot of people I know that are they're young and single, so they're they're doing it now while they can. Right. Um, doesn't mean that it's uh, you know okay that this environment exists, but I guess yeah. you have to deal with it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So like the workforce now, I mean, I, I, like, let's say like restaurants, for instance, I mean, people are having to like shut down, close oh, yeah. hour. I mean, what is that going to look like in the future? Like, is anyone going to be able to like waitress or are we going to be able to like, are, you know, what's going to happen to the restaurant bar industry? 
I'm gen- you know what? I'm genuinely wondering that myself lately, actually. Um, I will say that because of COVID-19, at least in my area, and this is this is no this is not based on any like actual like long-term data, but this is just based on friends I know who work in those industries too. Um, there are people I know right now um that they are getting tipped pretty significantly, at least in the Detroit area. I can't I'm speak a, for every I, other I definitely tip, tip generously more now so than ever because I want to yeah, really. like, yeah, because like they deserve it, you know, and their employer is not going to take care of them. They're going to pay them two bucks an hour. So exactly. Exactly. And I think that's I think that's the long, I think that is kind of the mindset of a lot of people. I think that I must honestly, God, as much as it seems like like people just suck in general and people people suck in general. Real. <laughs> this is but true. like, this is but true. like, you know, based on how the news makes everybody looks like people suck. I feel like humanity actually is a lot kinder than we really give it credit for. And based on what we see, because yeah. I'm seeing a lot more kindness. And there are people now the people who come out and show their ass come out and show it real good like they don't get me wrong but <laughs> but i do see a lot of people that are being kind they are treating people very you know fairly i think right now i feel like what's going to happen in the next five or ten years is i think we're going to have more of a system like um i believe france does this they they've and japan i know does this they don't even have tipping they don't they just they just they're the government forces them to pay them we're the only country that our our wait staff and and bars and restaurants rely on tips as far as as i know maybe one of the only first world countries i should say i thought canada did it too but i'm not sure yeah i could i could be wrong on that and i'll research it after i get off of this you know if i'm wrong i'm wrong and i'll 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 admit that but um yeah and something that I've seen a lot and we saw this a lot, especially like what, what, like a year ago or so once things started opening back up. Right. Um, right. I remember there was so many restaurants and bars that would literally put signs out like, sorry, we're closed. Here's our, here's our, our new hours because nobody wants to work. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. that, that pissed me off when I would see those type of signs. Like mm-hmm. nobody wants to work. Like, no, people are working. They just don't want to work for you and your, your shitty management and your shitty pay anymore. Like mm-hmm. that's a you problem. That's not a their, them problem. Like you, I agree. You want people to and work just, for and you. I just looked it up. Fairly. I just looked it up. It says it says Canada. Um, those servers in Canada make around eleven dollars an hour more than the minimum requirement for restaurant employees yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Um, they are nearly near U.S. tipping customs, so they still tip in Canada and they make eleven dollars an hour. When okay. I lived in L.A., this was twelve years ago. I was, you know, I bartended and waited tables for like freaking 10, 15 years. It was a long time. Anyway, I left LA 12 years ago, making $15 an hour plus tips bartending. I don't even know what it is now, but I thought then that that was a lot. I was fucking rolling in the dough at a young age. I think that's, do you think that's because LA is kind of more, um, open-minded or progressive in, in ter- the way they do things or well i think it's, it's also california state law oh okay gotcha. mm-hmm. so okay. I, but that goes like you have to pay your employees or restaurant people like there's certain states like they legit make two dollars an hour i think arizona might be one of them yeah um so i mean like i said i might have to look into this it could be completely different now but that's how it was when i and if, if your yeah, business model relies on underpaying your employees, that's that's not a sustainable business model. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. If, if paying your employees a living wage is going to bankrupt you, like I'm sorry, but you need to look at the way you're doing business. I also, I also, um, I also know a lot of people who go into you know independent practices, and I know people this: if they go into independent contracting, there's a good chance that they are going to make a lot more money because they're not filing the taxes or giving you benefits or anything like that. So you got to look into stuff like that. But I know plenty of um, therapists in my industry 
they're working full time getting benefits from like these smaller organizations that have like 10 employees that have like 100 to 500 people at their office. And they're actually getting paid more now at smaller businesses. So it used to be the, it used to be the stereotype that the smaller businesses are felt more homey, but like they paid less. I don't think that's really the case for a lot of places anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'd like to talk about addiction since I. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so Justin, what do you do in that, that area? I know you're. No. Yeah. So, yeah. So right now I do, um, I do general outpatient counseling at the place I work for right now. So I get a lot of the addicts that come in just based on my experience. My mm-hmm. first, my first year um, in social work, I actually worked as a case manager for um, a rehab center just outside of Detroit. It was a very unique place. Actually, they housed them in apartments and everything. It was super cool. Um, and they had it through, um, they had um, an intake, yeah, give me talk, um, an intensive outpatient um, center. I can't even say that word for some reason to this day. I don't know. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Intensive outpatient? You guys have heard of that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Intensive yeah. And basically they come, they come to group like five, usually it's like three days a week. They had them come to group like five days a week, like four, like six hours. It was like school. It was like mm-hmm. school. They would like pick them up from their apartments. They had like a whole bus come and get them. And they were there for like six to 12 weeks, depending on like what their insurance was paying for and things like that. Um, but I did a lot of case management with them in that program. I also, um, in that program, I also worked for their women's uh, residential program, which is where people were going through detox and, you know, getting off of, you know, detoxing through heroin, alcohol, all sorts yeah. of different substances. Um, very interesting place, by the way, because where I worked for that part, um, I went there two days a week as part of my job. And it was at a old nun's house through the Catholic church that they bought (laughs) and they had no air conditioning and it was summer and it was 110 degrees sometimes with detoxing women. So that's a lot. What a miserable. Just imagine 20 detoxing women, no air conditioning. They're getting off of alcohol and they're, and and there's, yeah, and there's 20 of them. There's just 20 of them locked in a house. That's all they have to do. So you can only imagine what happened there, but um, I, I, we all, they always had the joke and they always made me laugh. They said, we have you to go through a seven day detox in two days. So like, it was fine, but like, it was, oh God, it was awful. I felt so bad for those girls. Um, so after that, I worked for um, an agency, which is the one that scammed me. Um, and then went to another one doing the exact same thing, working for CPS. Um, so I worked with the mm. addicts involved with CPS. Um, and then I also worked with the um, foster children doing that. So I did a lot of individual wow. therapy. I did um, community-based therapy actually with them. So I went to their homes and did it there. Um, so it was, it's, I've had a very well-rounded experience with addiction yeah. um, and with the addiction often came a lot of mental health and trauma issues. Too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. We see that a lot. Yeah. Um, so have you seen like it, like, you know, since the pandemic uh, has that been, you know, in an incline, let's say like addiction? <laughs> It's definitely, it's, de- it's definitely been an incline for sure. Um, a lot, especially in 2020, when it first happened, there was just nothing mm-hmm. for people to do. They, you, I, you got to think of it like this too. A lot of people had all of their resources ripped for them. So at first right. when the yeah. pandemic hit, a lot of agencies, they didn't even provide therapy. They didn't know what to do. They didn't have the authorization to do telehealth yet. So they were right. relying on these insurance companies to, you know, hopefully get them payment for sure. Um, so a lot of their therapists, a lot of their doctors, they were seeing for the addiction stuff. Um, they weren't seeing, they weren't able to see them. Their NA and AA 12 step meetings, um, they were shut down. They weren't, there was no, uh, there really was no uh, virtual meetings. I think they had a few, um, they probably have some more nowadays, but they definitely had a few, but I think they were like few and far between Not A lot of people really know about them. Um, mm-hmm. So they didn't know what to do, especially um, 
I know I know it's an incline in senior citizens too who just did not know how to work technology at all. Um, mm-hmm. If they were, you know, recovering substance users. I know people who've been using for like 40 or 50 years and they're in their right? 60s trying to get sober. So it's yeah. like... Wow. It's, it was a very tough time during that time. Um, now, um, I'm not sure of the statistics. I still think there is an incline, but there was an incline before the pandemic even hit. Too. I, think the, I think the pandemic just exasperated a lot of yeah. the issues that were happening. It wasn't like they caused it. Especially with like meth is really big right now. And that's un- un- unfortunately, and that's really tearing people apart and families right now. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely been, it was on an incline. It was on a rise even before the pandemic, but like you said, it definitely exacerbated that. Right. I wonder yeah. from your guys' industry, how has the pandemic affected your clients at all? So me personally, I've got a lot of um, clients that are either nurses or teachers or, or mm-hmm. high level executives and things like that. So um, it's definitely impacted them. Um, yeah. you know, they're, um, like, especially I've got like Canadian clients or clients, you know, acro- uh, halfway across the world where their gyms are closed still to this day, you know, yeah. two years into it. Um, and that was for a lot of people, that was a lot of people's outlet, right. For, for taking care of their physical health, for having a mm-hmm. healthy outlet for their stress management and emotions and, and to help perk up their mental health a little bit. Of course, we can't just rely on the gym for that, but it helps. Right. Um, and that was taken away um, just like that, you know, and yeah. it's definitely had a negative impact. So then it's a yeah. lot of, um, you know, working, More working from their, home and yeah. And working on their behavioral things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know what? And, and I think you hit it right on the head there, Matt, when you said that um, a lot of people maybe were relying like a lot on the gym, whereas like their only resource, I actually realized that in my own food recovery journey too, because I realized that about 2021 um, or maybe actually maybe even into like, late 2020 somewhere in there I realized how much I was even using with my healthy eating as the gym as an outlet because I realized when the gym was taken away you know I wasn't like I wasn't starving myself by any means I used to have a very dysfunctional relationship with food at one point in my um in my teens and then early adulthood um but I had about three years or so of recovery and then when the pandemic hit and the gym went away I was I was starting by working out a lot at first outside I was just getting with it it was something new and you know, to me, it, it, it was like, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a quick decline. It was like very swift, like to where I didn't notice it. But I realized I was only eating healthy and balanced the days um, that I would go work out. When I didn't work out and it felt like an off day, I'm eating like a fucking asshole. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cause um, you know, a healthy habit breeds more healthy habits, you know? And so when yes. you're not doing those things, it's not part of your routine. It's easy to fall back on bad habits. And like as, as much as we love the gym and we talk about exercise for physical health and things like that, like it's not a replacement for therapy either. You know? no, it's not. Some people will use it that way. You know, yeah. it's, it's great for your mental health. There's proven benefits of working out and movement, but like, it's still not a replacement for therapy, which right. I, I believe everybody can benefit from therapy. I mean, coaching therapy, yeah. um, it's not a bad thing. It's it, you're, you know, I think there's a still a negative stigma associated with, therapy you know getting therapy uh, therapy um what do you see do you see that kind of changing at all justin from my own personal perspective i would say yeah um i definitely see a lot of that changing for sure um i mean i remember you know i whenever i remember even just comparing myself to 10 years ago um or 15 years ago when i would say i have adhd and that would be something that people would really make fun of um today mm-hmm. people are almost like uber curious about it and they're like super fascinated about it to the point where i'm like okay like go over there please like you know you know it doesn't bother it doesn't bother me too much but sometimes I'm like okay like it's not it's not that big a deal 
Um, yeah. but even, but even with my eating disorder, my eating related issues, I would talk about, um, I could, I could definitely see how, what's really funny is I've actually been more, I guess you'd say mistreated, or I don't know what the right word would be. I think I was more teased for ADHD than when I came out with an eating disorder. But then again, I came out with that in 2017, where this was already kind of becoming a thing. And then um, you don't hear a lot of men talk about eating disorders. So if anything, I was actually, I was glorified actually, when I talked about mine, because, so mine is binge eating disorder specifically. Um, And when I was younger, um, I probably did have elements of anorexia too. I'm a firm believer, by the way, I think we need a new eating disorder. I think we need one for like extreme diet culture. I call it like the, I call it bipolar of like eating disorders because you just go from one extreme to the other, Mm -hmm. but like, but not just like going to Weight Watchers and things like that. Like what I would do is I would go like weeks, like starving myself, Mm -hmm. like just complete, not just like 1200. I'm talking like I would eat 200 calories in a day and I would work out six hours a day Um, and I would do, and I, and I hated it because I was, my primary one was the binging, but Mm -hmm. I knew what I had to do to really drop my weight. So I would drop my goal weight in about Mm -hmm. three weeks when it should probably take me like six months. And then yeah. I just go back to binging, but then I was over exercising so that I could make up for it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it is possible to be diagnosed with both um, binge eating and an- anorexia. I mean, oh, yeah. you just see that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. How are you doing? How are you doing now with that? Um, I'm doing, re- I'm doing pretty good. Actually, uh, the anorexia side is definitely not a thing anymore. Um, the binging mm-hmm. has definitely been a struggle, honestly, for the last year. I've only said this, I would, I personally have discovered this in the last few years too. I would never probably work with someone with an eating disorder just because I'm still learning so much about my own. Sure. I'm still yeah. learning so many things just about my own image of food. I would say it's gotten like 10 times better, but I think that a lot of my issues right now are definitely stress related eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I take, I listen to a lot of your guys tips action and they work really well. Um, so I think that not restricting yourself or taking away, but rather, um, adding things to your diet, like earlier today, mm-hmm. like I was going to stress eat some candy earlier, even though I didn't, you know, I wasn't even hungry. Um, well, I was kind of because I didn't eat breakfast. I rushed out the door. And of course, when I'm just stressed and I'm in a rush, I'm like, okay, I need candy because I want to stay alert. I want to like really rush. And that's going to give you your sugar rush for 10 minutes and have you crash down. So, but I didn't really want candy. I just knew that was going to be something that gives me like an energy boost. So I said, okay, what do I really want right now? So I grabbed a water and I actually grabbed um, a bag of cashews instead, which probably has about the same core, maybe even a, more calories even. I'll have to check it later. But I felt, I felt so full and I knew with that candy, I'm going to be, I'm going to be hungry again, in like 20 minutes. So yeah. what the hell am I doing? You know? So I just kind of amazing grabbed... that you recognize that. that. Yeah. That's why. Well, you, well, I used to be in a, I, I'll be honest. I used to be in a way healthier state. So I'm kind of like in a rebuilding phase. Um, sure. So that's part mm-hmm. of my brand too, is I kind of like, I know there's a lot of influencers and, you know, people on Instagram, whether it's your career, your mental health or whatever, they should, they always create the story of I was here and now I'm here. I'm telling you, I'm a fucked up algebra parabola. Like I go up and down. I'm going to tell you when I'm going up and down because I want you to have a realistic picture of what this looks like. But, yeah. Um, yeah, It's not a perfect line. No, it's yeah. not. No, no, it's definitely not. Well, especially when you add a whole global pandemic to it, when after three yeah. years you had this perfect routine and then suddenly that's just kind of ripped from you. Because I was going to 12 step meetings for eating disorders for about one to two times a week. And then that mm-hmm. just kind of got ripped. Right. Um, and then I tried to do them online. And I, I think I found one online that I really like, but I'm telling you, I like, this is, I'm not saying this as an excuse. I'm saying it's something I have to get over, but online is just not the same. 
I don't care what anyone There's says. There's nothing that replaces the face-to-face interaction. As much as right. we try, like having online support groups and communities, it's amazing. It's fantastic. I mean, it, it does help, but there's still no replacement for that face-to-face yeah. interaction. Really not. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I usually, I usually try to see my therapist face-to-face as much as possible, too, because I think I just get way more out of it than when I... um than when I do it virtually I feel like when you're doing it virtually like and given I think with the pandemic with people with health issues and then just people's schedules I think sometimes I, I say this something is better than nothing so I'm never yeah. gonna stay here and shame someone for ever doing it um but I do think there is something about going somewhere and actually physically being in that moment rather than yeah. being in your being in your home and hearing the kids cry or hearing or you know seeing even when I work, I even like, I'm so happy to have a job right now where I do work um, an office four or five days a week. I was going, that, that was a big reason uh, between my decline and my eating disorder. I was going so stir crazy in my house that I, because, and everyone else like, and I couldn't get it with it. I was, everyone was talking about how much they love working from home and I can see why they love it. But I was like, I freaking hate this. I want to go somewhere. I want to get dressed. I want to go see people. Yeah. I'm like, it felt like I was, it feels like to me, it was almost like I'm on house arrest when it first happened. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, everybody, everybody um, handles that type of stuff differently, for sure. Mm-hmm. I know I, yeah. I, I, I loved it at first, you know, and then I started hating it because to me, like I wasn't, the gym was closed for me, of course, and I wasn't able to do anything. I, I, I literally, I had my two bedroom apartment at the time. I, I hadn't purchased my home yet. So mm-hmm. just me in my apartment and my son, you know, when he'd come over to spend some time with me, but that was it. I wasn't going out anywhere. I wasn't seeing anybody. So um, I'm, I, I, coped with that by just burying my head in the sand and going all in on my business. Um, you know, um, of course, which then led to me getting burnt the fuck out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It'll do it. Sure. Justin, do you have, um, any type of, um, like a support group or resources or anything? If, if anybody's listening <laughs> to this and they're like, Oh my God, I think I really resonate with your message or, um, you know, I think I might be feeling that burnout a little bit as well. Yeah, to- yeah, totally. So, so one of the resources they could definitely come to my page if it's like career-based burnout. Um, so I have a lot of stuff on that. Um, even though I talk about more for professionals and helping professionals, I definitely have a lot of stuff that will resonate with self-care and just learning how to take care of yourself while balancing this whole pandemic while working in a job maybe you don't like. I have a lot of stuff on that, especially on my TikTok. Um, so it's going to be at multidimensional J. Um, so you can find me on there, J A Y at the end for that. Um, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of different career stuff I recommend to, um, on Instagram and TikTok. work half is one of them. W O R K H A P. He is freaking phenomenal. He's a recruiter and he will okay. teach you the ways of actually finding a new job and identifying, um, oh, toxic cool. jobs as well. You said what? I said, Oh, cool. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's super awesome. Like he's, he's super funny. Um, so those are kind of the career ones I would go to. And then, um, for any resources in general, um, if you honestly just go, if I don't know, I don't know if anyone's, um, who's listening is in the 12 step groups or is open to it. I personally like it, but I also say that it's not really about the actual 12 step process. It's for, to me, it's more about community. Because yeah. I, I always say, I always say this, whether it's 12 step, a church, whatever religion you're mm-hmm. into, I think that you really do the work internally. And I think it's about building that community rather than just mm-hmm. like following this model, essentially, right, but you could, right. but you could Google any 12 step communities right now. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, Overeaters Anonymous is for one, even though it's called mm-hmm. Overeaters Anonymous, they actually work with people with um, anorexia and bulimia too. 
Um, so it's not just for um, binge eating disorder and things like that. Right. Um, but any 12-step meetings that are online, you'll find them pretty easily. Those are usually the ones I'll recommend just because they've really worked for me. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, um, Psychology Today is probably my favorite resource to find a therapist. And they, um, most therapists on there are independent. So they usually keep up to date um, on when they're actually <laughs> patients and when they're not. Because I know getting into therapy in and of itself, that's a whole other hassle. I know people will call and they'll wait weeks and it takes forever. Usually the people mm -hmm. on there are more independent. Most of them aren't like big organizations that have waiting lists for the most part. Um, and if they do, if they can't take anybody, they usually mark it on there. So I would definitely recommend that as well if you're seeking help. Fantastic. So, awesome. so your username is multidimensional J. That's across the board then. Which platforms are you on? I am on Instagram and I am on TikTok and I may be on YouTube soon. So you can go follow awesome. me on there as well. Okay. You're going to make it that? You're having a, you're having a coffee. I swallowed my water the wrong way. I ran out of fucking water. So I'm dying. I'm like, <laughs> I don't have anything else to sip right now. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I'm slowly fucking choking over here on nothing. What does that mean? Yeah. It looked like you're struggling. So. <laughs> I am. I am. You're, you're just you're just over here like casually. You're just casually choking to death. Like it's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah. We'll come check on you after the show. No worries. <laughs> um, Justin, it's been awesome, man, talking to you about this today. Um, let's. Uh, let, you're you're not that far from me, man. Let's get together sometime. Let's let's. Absolutely. Oh my god, I'd love it. Where are you at, by the way, in Ohio? I'm southeast of Toledo by about like 35 minutes. Um, oh, you're literally right next to me then. Yeah. I mean, for me to get to Detroit, it's like an hour and a half drive. So, oh, sweet. Oh, Other than yeah. like last weekend, I went to Detroit for a concert. I came home on Sunday. We stayed the night there. Um, and of course, that's when we got that yeah. snowstorm. Um, took us like three hours to get home because there was like 20 car pile up or like five different accidents. It seemed like we were all combined. So that was fun. But oh my God. <laughs> Beth, you're going to have to come down from Maine. Are you guys going hiking too, by the way? I thought I remember yeah. that. Mm -hmm. We're planning yeah. a hiking trip. Um, it's hot in. Yeah, Katahdin. So oh that's, my God. that's the mastermind there. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. That sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> until you get up on the mountain, it's fucking brutal. But no, it, it, is, it is amazing, but it's challenging. I know. Yeah. Well, like you say, Beth, we can do hard things, right? I know. I know. We can. <laughs> I know. We can do hard okay. things, and once you do them, they don't seem so hard. That's true. Hell yeah. I love that. That is so true. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's let Beth get off of here and get some water I, I need to get some water I'm, I'm yeah go get some water go, go take some self-care all right Justin thank you again for coming on today thank you Justin yeah thank you for having me it's been fun definitely yeah See you. we'll chat soon <laughs> talk to you later okay bye all right well, Beth, Beth you got me right into it. <laughs> you've got your fucking water hydrate my fucking water. please don't excuse die me. <laughs> excuse me yeah, I just burped. Dude, I'm a I'm a hot mess. Hey, you know what? If people don't like us at this point for being uh, you know authentic self, they're not going to like us ever. So you know, I don't care. And that's that's what we're about. Call us rude, call us unprofessional, but we're never going to lie to you. So I burp. I yeah. just choked burp. my own water. We burp. We choke on air. We <laughs> we say the, the fuck bomb. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, that was Ooh. a fantastic chat. Uh, these I calls all to him. These talks always go so long. Like that was an I hour. Know. Like what I'm the like, hell? Oh, shit, it's two. That's crazy. Yeah, right. Um, that was, uh, that's a topic that I'm really passionate about. Once, I don't know if you could tell, but once we started talking about like the burnout and mm -hmm. being mistreated by employers and working for somebody else and yeah. being mistreated by them, more importantly, that's 
something that um, is really near and dear to my heart, just from my own experience and background yeah. in corporate and seeing the things that I've seen, you know. And what's interesting is I was like, oh, wow, there's like signs of burnout that are like physical like that. I'm like, interesting. Headaches, nausea, I'm like anxiety. <laughs> I bet you a lot of people listening right now, they're like, wait a second. Maybe they're thinking right? of like, am I burnout? Because I fucking feel that way every day, right? Some people feel that way every yeah, day and they just accepted it as two- normal. Right. Like you don't put the two and two together. Yeah. And, and I love what he, he, how I loved how he was talking about how he does that little check-in with himself. I think he said that just this morning, right? Um, uh-huh. He wanted the piece of candy, but he knew that's not really what he needed. Um, yeah. You know, and the fact that he, you know, at late at night, he knew he had the headache and he wasn't feeling well. It's because he did some reflection and he realized yeah. that I just haven't drank in my water today. Like yeah. that is so important. That mindfulness, that check-in yeah. with ourselves that Awareness. we can do periodically throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And that's what we tell our clients too. It's like awareness is key. And it really starts there. It's like, um, becoming aware is kind of the first step with everything. Yes. Which is yeah. why we were such big advocates for a food journal or logging our food, right? Yeah. Because you like don't log your what feelings. You're... Yeah. Yeah. Around, around when you're eating. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not comfortable to, to find mm-hmm. these things out, but without yeah. that awareness, it's going to be a lot fucking harder. That's for sure. Yeah. That's what I try to tell clients too. It's like, it's okay to feel. It's okay to like, want to cry. It's okay to get angry. It's feel those feelings. I think a lot of people just want to run from the feelings. Yeah. So they grab, they grab the food to mask it, but that's just masking it mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or the, or the drinks or whatever they're doing to right. um, get, get away from actually just feeling Numbing that feeling. And it, it's yeah. we don't necessarily have a, an emotional tool belt is what I like to call it. Right. Which yeah. Is, well, myself and my team, you know, Jess and, and everybody work with uh, on our clients is developing <laughs> that emotional tool belt. So you, mm-hmm. when you're presented, when you're in these situations, you can do that check and you know, yeah. like, oh, this is the sign. Like I can do this. I can do this instead of turning mm-hmm. to um, this, this food, you know, and it's not that food's right. a bad thing, you know, because food's right. not a bad thing. It's, it's our behaviors uh, Around surrounding it. food and how, and how yeah. we associate food. If we associate, um, having a shitty day with a pint of ice cream, you know, that's a, that's a, right. that's a negative relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome episode. Um, what is, uh, you're leaving like very, very sh- shortly, right? For Florida. Yeah. Oh my God. So we're getting a massive snowstorm on Saturday. Um, so we're not gonna be able to leave, um, till Sunday afternoon, maybe Monday and ever, you know, we can't leave Friday because we have previous obligations. Like I have all my client check-ins on Fridays. I wanted to get that done. So, um, you know, and my husband's got to work. So it's like, we can't leave Friday. I mean, in a perfect world, that'd be, let's just beat the storm kind of thing, but it's not going to happen. So Mm -hmm. we're leaving later than expected. Okay. Unfortunately. Me personally. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I, I know I'm, 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 I'm jealous of your, of your little trip. It's excited to be there for 30 days, 30 Mm -hmm. days. So you'll be seeing TikToks for me. Um, I think I'm going to do, Maybe. Maybe I'm gonna be doing like a, a road trip type, uh, how to eat on the road. Okay. When you're traveling, when you're traveling type thing, and I'm gonna awesome. like show you know what you can get at rest stops and things like that. Staying on Good. track on the road. Yeah, and maybe we can talk about that on a podcast episode too. Then once once you get back or something, because you know that'll yeah. be, it'll be a while before we can kind of touch that. Maybe a month or so. Um, right. And then uh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to uh, Arizona this weekend. Um, Ooh. yeah. So I met with some friends there last year. Um, uh-huh. 
and I'm going back to visit them. You know, it was a $98 round trip flight and I'm staying with my friend. It's a, like, it's a no brainer for me to do it. You know, Wait, what part Which, of Arizona? Uh, Phoenix. So going to do a little wow. bit of hiking going just four days, quick trip. Um, what's really cool. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm meeting up with Olivia, your set fitness. Oh yeah. So, nice. So her and I are going to meet. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. Cool. Maybe a workout or something. I don't really know, but, um, yeah. looking forward to that. Sweet. I used to live in Mesa. I, well, I've lived in the Phoenix area for a little bit. Got it. Got it. So yeah. I love Yeah. Hiking over there is amazing. It is. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Last, last year when I was there, we went to Sedona and did some hiking, uh-huh. um, kind of a, it's kind of a far drive for, for a day trip like we did last yeah. year. So we're going to stay locally, you know, yeah. Phoenix, Scottsdale area. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward Sweet. to it. That's exciting. It'll yeah. be nice and warm. Yeah. I'm not, I haven't even looked at the weather. I don't need to, cause I know it's going to be warmer than it is here in yeah. Ohio where it was negative nine degrees on my walk this morning and I had yeah. snot frozen on my face and everything. It was that. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to unapologetically, unapologetically post this picture and this have a face full of frozen snot and I don't care. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Fuck it. Well, good episode. Yeah. That was super fun. All right. Well, uh, chat, chat with you soon. And that is a wrap for this episode of Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt. Did we help you cut through the bullshit? We want to know. Send us a DM on Instagram and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. And if you did find this one helpful, why not share this episode with a friend? I know I personally love it when a friend shares their favorite podcast with me along with a text saying, Oh my God, you have got to check out this podcast. You'll love it. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future.